0: بودكاست لونشون فاير حلقة رقم 92 بودكاست لونشون فاير أول بودكاست متخصص ومهتم في عالم ريادة الأعمال والمشاريع الصغيرة المتوسطة في الشرق الأوسط يقدم لكم محدثكم خالد الزنكي وهدفنا في البودكاست مساعدة كل من يبي خل عالم ريادة الأعمال والبزنس على شأن ينجح بالبداية خلونا نشكر الشركات الراعية لبودكاست لونشون on Fire، الراعي البلاتيني وزارة الدولة لشؤون الشباب الراعي الذهبي أسنان تور ووان جلوبال ونشكر الجهات الإعلامية الراعية بعد سينسكيب مجلة خليجسك والجمعية الدولية للإعلان فرع الكويت وموقع كويت بودكاست وبودكاست Launch من إنتاج الزنكي إنتربرايزز. let's get started with today's episode on launch on fire podcast i'm so excited today to introduce my guest jerry eagle jerry are you ready for the launch i am ready for the launch awesome uh, just a quick intro for yourself uh, jerry is an international recognized expert in innovation and entrepreneurship venture capital and lectures and advices businesses and government leaders around the world he is an adjacent professor at Haas school of business and managing director of brickley research group uh, jerry i have given our listener just a quick and little overview of uh, to yourself Take a minute or so to tell us about yourself so our listeners get to know you and give us just an overview about entrepreneurship and the world that we live in today.
1: Well, I only bring to entrepreneurship, but I know firsthand. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started working with young and emerging businesses over 30 years ago. Uh, For 10 years, I was a partner at Ernst & Young, where I helped create new ventures and uh, raise money for them, finance them, take them public. Uh, Then I came to the university, and the nice thing about being at the university I work with bright young people, but it, in our country, it allows you to have more than one job at one time. University professors often have more than one job. So I, my second job was to start a venture capital fund. So I've had uh, two venture capital funds under my management uh, and I've enjoyed that, because that also has given me a great opportunity to work with great young entrepreneurs.
0: Awesome, I'm so excited to have you today, and especially you are an expert in entrepreneurship and our podcast about entrepreneurship and small businesses and most of our listeners that are startups, or founders of businesses they are running. But usually we start our episode with a six code that you believe in. Can you share it with us? So I'm
1: supposed to provide you wisdom in a sentence. Mm-hmm. I refuse. Okay. Awesome. You <laughs> cannot, you cannot reduce entrepreneurship <laughs> to a sentence, but if I had to be stuck with a sentence, it would be here. Here's a sentence for mm-hmm. you. And it's not mine. It's mm-hmm. from a friend of mine, Steve blank. Mm-hmm. It's that a startup is a temporary organization. Now, what does that mean? It means a new venture, a new idea is in a startup phase and that's a period of experimentation. So once you've run the experiment and you figure out what works, Mm -hmm. you then get into execution mode and that is building a company that is building a robust company with a repeatable and scalable business model. So the startup is a temporary period in our culture today we've glorified entrepreneurship, we've glorified startups, and everybody wants to be in a startup. True. And I need to remind everybody that the longer you're in a startup, the longer it takes to get to being a real business.
0: Awesome, and this actually would take us to actually our major topic of today, which is the importance of idea creation and innovation role, specifically in startups and small businesses. Mm-hmm. Based on your experience, why do we need time to invest putting the idea together? Well, Khaled,
1: You need to organize your story, if I can call it that. Mm -hmm. Because most of us in starting new businesses need help. We need resources. We need partners to work with us. We need money to help us build our businesses. And oftentimes we need other ingredients like technology or products that are not already within our control. So the biggest job of an entrepreneur is not to come up with the idea. That is very hard, but it is the easiest part. The hardest part is getting the resources to support you in the pursuit of your idea. So 90% of the work is getting the resources. And how do you get the resources? You just can't go out and buy them in the beginning because you don't have the capital to support that. It has to be the power of your idea. And how do you convey the power of your idea? With a strong story. Mm-hmm. Well, what makes a good, strong story? Not a fable, not imagination, but the facts. What facts do you want? What the facts that support your business model, your business idea. So you want to link what you can do for your customer, your value proposition. You want to link that directly to a customer segment in a very powerful bond Mm -hmm. that can be conveyed in a story. And it takes time to test your hypothesis about your business value proposition and to test your hypothesis about its linkage to a specific customer. And then to build out the scenario of what resources you need that are critical for you to provide that value, that takes time to organize.
0: And where do you see the entrepreneurs should spend or must spend their time? Is it into the execution and finding resources, or do you find it into really focusing into new ideas and innovation in the small business, especially as an entrepreneur or as a small business owner, we have usually limited resources.
1: We always have limited resources. We're always in, as a friend of mine once said, in the pursuit of opportunity beyond the resources we have under our control. In fact, that's Howard Stevenson at Harvard university said that, and that is the very definition of entrepreneurship, the pursuit of opportunity. In other words, your story or your idea beyond the resources you have under your control Mm -hmm. and the ability to attract those resources is the key talent of the entrepreneur. So, Organizing that in a profoundly convincing way is essential. Now, how does one organize that? It's not done in a vacuum. It's not done sitting with a piece of paper in front of you or a computer in front of you and thinking deeply. It's done when you're in contact with the marketplace. So you have an idea. Let's call that a hypothesis. And you test that hypothesis by going out and going to the target customers, the target markets or the target uh resource providers and making your proposition making your inquiry mm-hmm. and discovering whether it's of value to them awesome. Is that discovery process is where the entrepreneur has to put their effort
0: and i'm sure you had a great opportunity of working with entrepreneurs during your actually career as a business consultant or a professors at university right absolutely okay throughout your journey into entrepreneurship scene with all the entrepreneurs that you have worked with i'm sure you have discovered many failures in entrepreneurship that they did. We want to hear one of those failure stories and what lesson you have discovered, especially in startups.
1: Failure, everybody likes to talk about failure. And when failure is worthwhile, it doesn't end up in failure. It ends up with a pivot or an iteration, a change, an evolution towards success. True failure, in other words, when you run out of time, you run out of money, you run out of passion. That's a very sad story and I've seen many, but even those sad stories oftentimes end up in a subsequent success where the lessons learned are put to work. So the very first software firm consumer facing software firm that I worked with back in the eighties had a um, series of games and they were successful. There were games nobody in our audience probably ever heard of, but, Uh, the most successful perhaps was where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Ended up being a TV show, ended up being a whole franchise, very successful. This same company brought out word processing software, failure, accounting software, failure. So most of the products they brought out, in fact, a family tree software project, failure. So failure after another, yes, but one or two great successes the company went public, the company was then later acquired, everybody made millions of dollars, and it was a great success. And funny thing is, nobody
0: remembers the failures anymore, or talks about them. Mm-hmm. So through the, all the discovery from all the lessons that you have discovered working with entrepreneurs, what is what do you think the most important lesson that you have discovered?
1: I think the most important lesson I've learned is you have to do uh, the things you enjoy. Now I say enjoy quote unquote, in other words, uh, you have to have a passion for them. They may not be fun in the traditional sense. It may not be that you're laughing all the way to the bank. But if you're not pursuing things which you fundamentally enjoy or people you fundamentally enjoy working with or for, you will not be able to sustain the energy it takes. Success in entrepreneurship takes years and years. It is not an overnight story, no matter how bright the idea. And uh, most of the time, you will feel like a failure because you will, you're will. you you're eventual success will not be obvious. So you better be doing something that feeds your soul as much as it feeds your, hopefully, your future net worth.
0: Awesome. Jay, let's talk about the aha moment uh, you had in your journey with entrepreneurs and startups. Really take us there and share with us one of those moments. Wow, an aha moment. Mm -hmm. Well, I get aha moments most often,
1: not from my own creativity, but seeing the creativity of others when someone pitches me their new idea and when that idea connects with me. So not all these ideas work in the end, but these moments of insight um, are very powerful. An example, Uh, before uh, the advent of um, some of our current uh, apps, I was pitched an app or an idea for being able to watch let's say YouTube content or other visual content in a virtual living room. In that virtual living room, you could arrange it any way you wanted, for, invite over three or four friends, invite over a dozen friends, and have a, a party in a virtual space. Mm-hmm. Uh, that idea uh, was brilliant, and uh, it was an aha moment for me about the power of community in uh, enhancing video content and the experience of consum- consuming video content. By the way, that idea is out there. Somebody can listen to this podcast and take it and run because the business that we started to implement it mm-hmm. failed. And uh, so that's a failure, and it's a very painful failure. But it didn't fail for the idea. That idea is still a great idea, and I give it to the world through your podcast okay. for anybody to grab and Awesome, run
0: with. awesome. L- let me ask a question. I think most of the founders and startups right now, they are actually wondering, mm-hmm. uh, when is the right time to pitch ideas to potential investors or actually venture capital firms?
1: It's always the right right time. It's always the right idea. Here's the idea. Successful entrepreneurs are always selling, but not for sale. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So since you're always, as, as an entrepreneur, recruiting additional resources, whether it's people to be involved in your business or people to invest in your business or people to buy your product, you always want to be educating the world as the opportunity that you see you never know who holds the keys to the resources that you need. So you may be pitching somebody uh, in the elevator, in the old elevator pitch. Not meaning to really pitch them, but they say, what are you doing? And you think, right? give them your one-liner. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bringing sunshine to young children, <laughs> whatever your one-liner is, right? And you don't know who that person is and how they're going to react, but uh, if you share your joy and your passion for what you're doing and you do it on a continual basis, mm-hmm. not to be obnoxious, but you do it when it's appropriate, uh, then you will attract energy to your idea. You'll attract resources to your idea. You're not for sale. The second half of the line is that uh, the way to cheapen any idea is to put a price tag on it. And as soon as you put a price tag on it, the price only goes down. It never goes up. So you're never for sale, but you're always selling. In other words, you're always pitching your idea. Now, when is the right time to pitch, let's say, a venture capitalist, you know, mm-hmm. specifically? Um, I would suggest that the right time to pitch a venture capitalist formally is only after you're invited to pitch them. In other words, you want to find opportunities to have informal pitches when the venture capitalist is not being presented with a plan, et cetera, but it's an informal exposure. And then they express some interest. Now that can be directly done by the entrepreneur or indirectly done by, by someone else. Someone else who mm-hmm. makes the introduction. Awesome. So to when you're dealing with venture capitalists or others who are highly selective in their screens, you want to come well endorsed. So either the person invites you because they met you and they Mm -hmm. say, I'd like to learn more, come to my office, or you get well introduced.
0: Jerry, what was the entrepreneurial moment that you are proud of? For me, it's always been that moment
1: of commitment. Uh, Mostly I've advised entrepreneurs. So I can take joy in the success of others. Mm -hmm. But a half dozen times in my career, I've been the entrepreneur. And in those moments when you make the commitment, uh, the commitment to be an entrepreneur versus advised an entrepreneur is radically different. Uh, when you actually commit to go at risk and um, do something to bring a value proposition to the marketplace directly on your own merit, that's a moment of commitment. And you know when you cross over the line. And it's, that's what I'm most proud of, the, the half dozen times I've crossed over the line.
0: Awesome. Being a professor in, in a business school, how important is education and knowledge in the role of becoming a very successful entrepreneur?
1: Difficult question. The type of knowledge you learn in a business school is not the type of knowledge you need. So the stuff I teach, mm-hmm. very, very important, very useful, not essential. The type of knowledge is essential is the um, understanding of the customer and the ability to deliver what the customer needs. So in a tech, if it's a technical uh, delivery or technical product or service, That's the essential knowledge. Uh, Then comes the empathy for the customer. And I emphasize the word empathy. In other words, putting yourself in the customer's shoes and feeling their pain, understanding their aspirations. So you can craft a service or a product that solves their problem or meets their aspirations. But the things we do teach in business school are highly, highly useful to accelerate the path, to increase the likelihood of success, and can really make the difference, but they can't make the difference for people who don't have the basic skills to deliver the value proposition or don't have the basic empathy for the customer. Business schools can't provide that. Uh, Now, you have some wonderful activities here in Kuwait that creates a space for people to see if they have that fundamental empathy for the customer. They create the space to see if they have the opportunity to... um, reach out to customers and deliver a valuable product to really experiment because it's an experimentation with yourself, with your own
0: lifestyle, with your own aspirations, your own capabilities to see if you have what it takes to have this empathy. Awesome. Okay, Dr. Jerry, we're gonna take a minute to thank our sponsors and we will be back. والحين خلونا نشكر الشركات الراعية لبودكاست لونش on Fire، الراعي البلاتيني وزارة الدولة لشؤون الشباب الراعي الذهبي أسنان تاور ووان ونشكر الجهات الاعلاميه الراعية بعد سنسكيب مجلة خليجسك والجمعية الدولية للإعلان فرع الكويت وموقع كويت بودكاست من إنتاج الزنكي انتربيز. Okay, and we are back with Dr. Jerry. He's the managing director of PRG. What is the number one advice you would give to small business owners and startups to take their business to the next level?
1: Well, difficult question. It's very situational. I asked you a question earlier about how does one bring a new product or service to Kuwait? You said, Mm -hmm. well, it depends on the product or service. Well, So I don't mean to throw it back at you. But this would be the same answer, right? It would be. Mm -hmm. uh, But let's take a few examples. Okay, would be awesome. If I had a personal service, right, something where I was bringing a service or a product personally to a customer, I would probably uh, want to understand from my customers who I currently had uh, whether they would recommend me to somebody else. In other words, would they refer me directly to their friends and their colleagues? If they wouldn't provide that kind of introduction, I think that would be a signal to me that I needed to do something differently, that people should be delighted by any service that I'm personally bringing.
0: Endorsing it to others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If people are not willing to endorse you to others, they're not willing to uh, go at risk for you, they're not gonna help you. Awesome. If I, if I had now I was gonna use a couple different examples. If I had a, um, a product or service uh, that was conveyable electronically, like an app, I'd be looking at traffic and metrics, you know, the old uh, standard metrics uh, very carefully but I'd also be looking for uh, a metric that you can't find, which is that metric of, of referral. In other words, how many people coming to my site or, you know, clicking through, are they discovering it because they happen to stumble upon it or are they discovering it
0: because somebody, else somebody, referred, somebody referred
1: them. You need that virality. If you can discover, um, you know, a, a
0: source of virality in almost any customer-based uh, business, then you've discovered the magic. Well, the startup scene is becoming very crowded nowadays. A lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs wanna sell their own businesses and they have ideas, whether it's tech or non-tech businesses, how to overcome the competition? No, no I, don't, I don't agree with the mm. question. Why is that? I don't agree with the question. Why? Because
1: uh, You know, the thing that crowds, the competition is not other entrepreneurs. The, compi- the competition is the incumbents. You know, it's the big companies that suck up the oxygen. It's not the entrepreneurs. You're not competing. When you get out there and try and sell your product or service, with one exception, which is when you're seeking uh, capital. Of course, mm-hmm. then you're in competition with other entrepreneurs. But other than that, you're not competing with your brother entrepreneur. It's a win-win situation on the entrepreneurial fund. The more your colleagues uh, win, the more opportunities there are for you to win. The more uh, somebody deals with a small emerging startup and has a successful experience, the more likely are they are to deal with another one, mm-hmm. to give it a chance. So I don't see it as competition. I see it as collaboration, or uh, you know, win-win situation. Um, but of course, entrepreneurs do compete. We all compete, but it's with the, inc- the incumbents, the st- large established stakeholders.
0: Okay. Entrepreneurs, they have a lot of ideas and usually they work so hard to make their own ideas unique. What advice you would give those people that they are actually seeking of having an idea or an innovative idea that's totally unique that nobody maybe have done it in the marketplace?
1: Do you really think uniqueness is that important?
0: Nowadays? Mm-hmm. and maybe a bit not a lot i don't think it is, is that? Exactly.
1: Well, quality is what's important satisfaction not uniqueness right i mean how, how unique is one automobile versus another automobile they're commodities they all have four wheels they all roll and go different places you know sure some are lamborghinis and some are toyotas but you know by and large you know an automobile is an automobile and uh i think that yes you want to have your own character so people can differentiate you in the marketplace but I think what you want is satisfied customers and, sa- and to really provide what people need. It doesn't have to be different. It just has to be very you know, solid and reliable. It has to bring joy, it has to bring delight to the customer.
0: What is the best advice you ever received? And that was probably from my parents.
1: <laughs> and uh, my parents gave me a belief that I was a highly capable young man. Now, they may not have been right, right? But they gave me confidence in myself. And so that advice was my best advice. And I think all um, people pursuing an entrepreneurial career have to believe in themselves, because for a large part of uh, the time that they're involved in the process, they're not going to have a lot of reinforcement from others necessarily. So you have to
0: believe in yourself. Awesome. If you just recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Well,
1: I don't know if this is a setup question, but I have authored my own book, called Global Clusters of Innovation. Mm -hmm. It's not for your average reader. Why is that? It's somewhat academic. It's about building innovation societies. So this is a book for the emir. This is a book for the government. Right? So it's not for your readers, unless they're in government. So we'd
0: ask you for another book then.
1: Uh, Yeah, right. And I would probably look at the Startup uh, Owner's Manual by Steve Blank. Because that's a very discreet, programmatic excellent manual essentially for building early ideas into early companies awesome
0: imagine you're starting a small business with half a million dollars what would you do first
1: put the half million dollars in the bank and pretend i didn't have it cuz then i couldn't spend anything mm-hmm. and every step i took would have to be self-financed that's what i would do and i would keep the half million dollars there for you know, the cushion or the moment. But if, if one looks at, the reason I answer your question that way is if one looks at capital resources and says, okay, that's my resource base to build a business, what you're going to do is you're going to end up spending it. Because the one thing you're certain of is that you can build a spending plan. What you can't be certain of is that you can build an operational plan you know, or a revenue plan. So we all have to operate it within budgets to be serious. Okay, you have some seed capital. But I would be testing... I would set the the half million dollars as irrelevant. I would Mm -hmm. set it aside. I would state my hypotheses. I'd use the business model canvas that Alex Osterwalder came up with uh, and use that as a framework for uh, stating my business hypotheses. I would design some tests, which would be, I tell my students to go out and do 100 interviews of prospective customers. That's the way to test their ideas. Face-to-face interviews, lengthy interviews, and really get to know their customer base and what they need and to build some quick models of minimum viable products Mm -hmm. and to test uh, whether there's acceptance. And then as soon as somebody says they're interested, I build the product or provide the service and see how happy they were with it. And I might use some of that half million dollars for that.
0: Awesome. We are almost reached the end of our episode today, Dr. Jerry. So What would be your last message or advice to everyone listening to our episode or our listeners? Mm -hmm.
1: Sure. Well, I'm sitting here. I don't know what what floor we're on the 19th floor
0: on the Hamlet Tower,
1: right? A beautiful view out the window, right? So a beautiful city. And uh, my advice would be that opportunity is defined not just by what you can see when you look out even this beautiful window, but by a global marketplace. So I would be looking at providing scalable businesses or services that could go beyond geographic borders. That's my one piece of advice that I think almost applies universally. What can we do with my idea or my passion, the thing I love to do, whatever it is, and how can I translate that into a way that the market that I get to serve is global or at least large, Mm -hmm. right? And so one can, connect to marketplaces in the United States, in Europe, in Africa, by finding like minded people, and like minded communities around the world. So getting linked to resources that can support me locally, and eventually getting linked to resources and connections that can support me globally. That would be my
0: one piece of advice. Awesome. So we need another piece of guidance, how our listeners can find you and reach out to you.
1: Well, I am a principal in the Berkeley Research Group, which is, uh, in fact, I'm the practice leader of the Global Innovation Practice. And I guess uh, that would be the most appropriate way to reach me, through
0: the Berkeley Research Group, which is opening its offices here in Kuwait. Awesome. So on behalf of our listeners and our followers, thank you so much for your time and sharing the ideas and thoughts that you have shared with us. And we hope you enjoy your stay in Kuwait, uh, Dr. Jerry. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We'll بودكاست لونشون فاير أول بودكاست عربي متخصص ومهتم في عالم ريادة الأعمال والمشاريع الصغيرة والمتوسطة في العالم يجيكم من الكويت اللي هي تعتبر قلب عاصمة ريادة الأعمال في الخليج والشرق الأوسط بودكاست لونشون فاير موجود في الآيتونز تقدرون تتابعون حلقاتنا a سبسكرايب من خلال برنامج البودكاست الموجود في الأب ستور أبل أو اللي موجود في الويندوز ستور بالإضافة إلى برنامج ستيتشر الموجود في كل الأجهزة أو عن طريق موقعنا الإلكتروني أو موقع البودكاست launchonfire.com وهم بإمكانكم تتابعون حساباتنا في مواقع التواصل الاجتماعي at launchonfire وإذا عندكم أحد مهتم في ريادة الأعمال والمشاريع الصغيرة والمتوسطة دزوا لينك الموقع أو سووا منشن في مواقع التواصل الاجتماعي على أن نلقاكم إن شاء الله في الحلقة الياية